Yeah, nice little tool. I'll see how this goes. Um, I'll upload last times and this times today, um, but depending on how the file turns out from the Skype call, we can figure out if it's something worth doing again in the future. Yeah, okay, give it a go. Sounds good. Thanks, man, for uh, we're an hour early. I like that. <laughs> Very nice. Good stuff. <laughs> How's the um, the monotony going up there? Have you had a bit of a break? You've kicked back into life again and it's seeming all right? Yeah, it's... Uh, feels like lockdown again, I think, because like, going back to work, we have to wear masks. So oh. everyone's just working from home and of course half the people on leave as well so it's just me and the home office I still get to go to the gym though which is kind of nice which is sort of my foray into the COVID gamble <laughs> but um, we're all gonna we're, we're all gonna get it like, oh, yeah. I feel like it's it's almost just the chicken pox all over again yeah exactly j- j- jump in head first get 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 some more antibodies yeah exactly. get on with your life <laughs> so, I think I I think Mammy said she read somewhere that once you get it, you still got six to eight weeks of immunity. So I'm like, okay, six weeks after you get COVID, it's gonna be fucking great. You're gonna walk around everywhere and you know, not care about anything, right? <laughs> like, oh, I could give two shits. Like, <laughs> once I got it, I'm waiting to walk around, get my booster, move on with life. It sounds good. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even know if like how much will change, whether we have it or not. I, I just get. Oh, no. I think it's more frustrating with just the check-ins and the masks. Yeah, it just becomes yeah. a bit wazy down a bit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Is it is it still sort of kicking on down there? Like, does it still feel apparent, or is it a bit different because it's a smaller, smaller town, if you will? Honestly, I, I don't think I have had the time amongst the town to feel it properly. Okay. Um, I still have the residue of Sydney, uh, like lingering on me. So I feel I still have that same sense. So I haven't had that yet. And and as uh, that okay. being school holidays and, and Christmas. It's uh, it's flooded with people. It's just oh, so many okay. people here. <laughs> I mean, we were trying to get food the other night, and we went we went to like the RSL, and then um, we kind of downgraded as we went to different places, right? So RSL, then a little cafe thing, and we ended up going driving to Subway to get a Subway, and they had no salads left <laughs> at all. And this is at like 5:30, 5:30 on a Monday or a Tuesday or something. And then I talked to my friends as well. They said, yes, I had the same problem. I went to KFC. And KFC said, rat everything. We don't have anything left. <laughs> and that was at like 7 o'clock or so. So, um, yeah, the, the infrastructure is set up for this many people. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's fun. And the other, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to join a gym, right? So there's an Anytime Fitness here. I haven't even been inside because you need a, co- a pass key to get in. Okay. And I, and I want to go in to register, but I can't get in the fucking door. So I went yesterday. Uh, I went again today, and like trying to ghost somebody in, and I chickened out twice. And I'm like, oh, they're like really eyeing me off here. <laughs> and no one's in there. So I sent them an email. Like I'm like, fine. I'll just try to call them. I don't yeah. answer. So I sent them an email trying to register. So it's, I, I just want to get to the gym because I got all this spare time, and I want to get back and feeling in shape again. Yeah. Um, so it's just like it's an unusual thing it's like the solutions behind these glass doors <laughs> I can see it there I just can't get to it <laughs> so it's never staffed or anything they say it says the staffing hours are between 11 and 4 okay. but I don't have any way to notify the staff that I'm there 
Like, oh, I'm just locked okay. out the front of the gym. There's no buzzer. Like, I can't go, hello, like a doorbell yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, and I feel knocking would just be aimless. You know, it's, it's a gym. <laughs> I just, so, <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I've walked past a couple times just to check if someone's at the desk. So, like, hello. So awkward. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah, just and it's a tiny gym. I think I can't see all of it. I hope, but um, just a lot of treadmills and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'll give it. A, I'll give a free membership a go and see how how it rocks and rolls. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it so much. Yeah, that'd be nice. I just feel. I don't know if you've had it before, but I've never had a break like I've had a break over the last six to eight months. Even last year, I've probably never exercised. I like, lifted, like um, resistant exercise, resistance exercise so little in such a long yeah. time and I really noticed that like my energy just my like general like um, like enthusiasm it's mm. just so much harder to muster so much harder to do things like even just like willingness to engage with like girls just my even my half my libido is half gone I'm like ah oh, I can't be bothered to say <laughs> it's kind of like far out and but I, I lifted I lifted for a couple of weeks before I came back down and before the holidays felt like a million bucks ready to roll having a yeah. great time um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Have you ever had a break like this and seen that contrast? The longest I went was probably end of last year when I sort of, my knee started playing up for the first time. But even that, like, I probably maybe would have taken, like, two months or off actual weight. And if I didn't do squats, I was probably doing something else, running on a bike or doing, like, some other weightlifting. Like, yeah, and I haven't taken... I can't say I've taken six months off not lifting weights, like, for fucking probably ten years. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just... It's, I just... I, when I don't do it, and then I... Like, I've started squatting a bit again, like, decent depth, and, like, not not crazy heavy, but, like, it just feels nice to get a bit more oh, weight yeah. at the bar, and... Um, it's just so therapeutic. It's just like, okay, yeah, this is I really enjoy this. Like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to keep doing this. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is nice. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I could give it up for six months. Um, it'll be too much. And it wasn't, I don't think it, it wasn't ever a full give up either. You know, it's like a dab, yeah. dabble a little bit, take a step back. It's just, um, it was a very weird time with it. I think the antidepressants made me a lot less eager to train yeah. as well. Which I've been noticing, so that's been a um, an interesting balance. So I'll see how it all goes. But the um, it's good to hear you're squatting again. Um, it's difficult trying to balance out the injuries. Yeah, it's um, it's so I look it's like such a retard when I squat because um, the the only way I can get reasonable control of my knees if I wrap I do like the, the chick thing where I wrap bands around my knees, and then um, and I yeah. squat. And I squat to a box, so I know how deep I'm going. And it's like it's just a, pretty much right on parallel. It's like a 15-inch box. So I've got this fucking 15-inch yeah. box behind me, and I've got this black and yellow band around my knees, and these you know fluoro red shoes on. And I fucking sit there and like you know un- unwrap this bar at fitness first through these fucking bands around my knees and squatting onto a box. <laughs> <laughs> like such Man, he, he looks great for 85. Yeah, <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> like, where, like, what YouTube channel is this dickhead watching, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Oh, like, uh, I gotta wonder what, like, you know, I need to have, like, a sign, like, it's injured, like, <laughs> you know, like a little, maybe I should wrap up my like, <laughs> just, like, put some band-aids on it, just so it looks like I'm... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Make them know. I do find that too. Sometimes you're doing exercises and you you kind of feel like everyone's watching you going, what's this guy doing? But you're like, no, 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 there's a reason. No. I'm doing this. I know why I'm doing it like this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a spastic, I swear. I swear, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you do that. I do that. I look at people in the gym and go, idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, all the time. Or every time. Yeah. Constantly. Oh, yeah. I yeah, tell yeah. What are you doing? I, uh, I've made friends at the gym. Uh, I'm not sure if friends is the right word, but uh, I've run Josh Peter Peter's a couple of times at, at the gym. Um, oh yeah. I was I was doing a, a, some GHD sit-ups yesterday, um, and I was like midway through a set, and I'm sort of you know you GHD sort of look back, and at the gym like as you sort of go back down, the, the treadmills are kind of just back into your left, and so I'm sort of doing these GHDs, and there's this guy in his blue shirt, so looking at me, like, who the fuck is that? And I'm, I've seen him there before. <laughs> and then I'm sort of like, you know, set, you know, rep eight or whatever, he's kind of waving at me, and I'm sort of, I kind of flip him off as I go back down and back up and doing these GHDs and stuff. And he was like, I'd sell at him on the way out. It's like, oh, you're working really hard. And he's kind of like trolling on the treadmill, just, just walking along. I'm like, yeah, you know, man, someone's going to yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm more yeah. happy to have a chat about it. 
about it was uh what was it called jesus camp on yeah. stan wasn't it yeah that's right yeah i watched it a, a little while ago and i the reason i wanted you to watch it was just more than anything about like holy crap is that close to our lives like <laughs> yeah right? no it's funny I'll, i um i'm gonna start with a, 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 a antidote is that right word and an, no it's not the right word um like a little story but like i was watching it and there was in this in the film um i guess for context it's about a christian church in the states um and they're also going on camp and they follow a few families around and they follow this young you know particularly some couple young kids and they follow this one young one young girl who's really into music and she happens to be into christian um that's a Christian rock and heavy metal and she sort of sits there in front of the camera and there's a scene where they're interviewing her in a room and she's got some music playing in the background and so she's saying how much she loves how they can sort of you know listen to she can listen to heavy metal music and and, and uh, you know hear words about about God and Christ and and then I'm listening closely and and in the background I, I hear the song I'm like yep I, I know what that song is and I I listened to it, I would still listen to it today, <laughs> from a band that I was familiar with, it's called Pillar, and I was like, yeah, alright, there you go, it's, it's relatable, this, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so to your point, it was like a bit, felt a bit too familiar at times. It's crazy, right, and that, that, yeah. it's the funny thing too, I think, I think when it was shot, it would have been a really close time to when we were doing that stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think it was... I think so. I think it was... Thousands, right? Like, mid-noughties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we were listening to Pillar. Um, who else were we listening to? I'm trying to think of other Christian oh, metal so bands. Many. P.O.D. I mean, they're still around. There's heaps out there. Um, some sort of... Oh. And then, you know, I mean, like, Reliant K, I know that was not metal, but geez, they're a good band. Oh, they oh, just sound yeah. so good. I tried to show oh. someone else that, but they didn't didn't receive it as well, but Cal and I were jamming out to it the other day. It was great. Well, in case, don't, they've got a, um, a Christmas album that, like, I play every year because it's hilarious. They, they do this uh, cover of 12 Days of Christmas, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good. Um, yeah, so... so uh, but, yeah, some of it's definitely still... still uh, I still listen to P.O.D. Heaps. I love P.O.D. The GM. That's great. Yeah, I'll have to have a listen to them at the gym. I haven't for a while. I'll, um, but yeah, I should do that. Because I've had a listen to... I was listening to Tool and some of these older like, oh, yeah. metal bands kind of stuff. And it's just... It's, it's fun. It's nice. It's nice to kind of just... It's got a cool little groove to it and good, yeah. good for the gym. Yeah. No, it's, um, but it was interesting, Docker. I think... Um, I, I think there's definitely some differences from a political standpoint. Like, I mean, typical US, it was pretty politicizing around how they sort of connected it all back to um, some level of American patriotism, like re the, re you know, religious aspect of Christianity yeah. quite connected to, 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 you know, there's a scene where this family recites the, the, I forget what the, call, the name is, but the, the oath, I think is what it is, or, the, or, the, or something like that effect in the US, and they all sort of get around in the morning, they're yeah. all homeschooled as well, which I thought was fucking hilarious, that was great, right, they're all homeschooled. Too. Yes, right, <laughs> that, that's great, because for context, you and I were homeschooled for Home, four yeah. or five years. That's right, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, so things like that were very relatable. <laughs> um, great, crazy. 
but yeah, I thought I thought that that part of it. I mean, there's a bit of distinction from how like yeah, how they politicized the religious part, and I guess I'm glad that we weren't ever a part of that part that that sort of conversation when we were growing up. That it was never a political narrative as to why we went to church. Um, mm. There was never that under undertow to it. But I mean, other parts of it though were very relatable around. Um, I, I don't know how else to express it, but the emotional response from children, like I think, oh yeah, that was always camp, you know, kids would always cry and and there'd always be some sort of emotional, um, I guess, what, uh, stimulator or, or current through through camp particularly, and I think there's always this sort of central point of, of, of the Christian calendar or the youth group calendar and that sort of stuff and um, that, that mm-hmm. felt very relatable to, to our experience and um, and, and yeah, some of the things that they were doing and saying is like, okay, yeah, I, I that 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 felt quite familiar. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, it's just, yeah, I feel like there's obviously some gaps in it, but it's about as close to a to a resemblance of our past as a docker could get in that sense. I think. Yeah, it's a good um, caption. Yeah, good work caption. It was, uh, it was very interesting in that sense. I thought that uh, it, uh, it made me look at it from an outsider's view as um, I wasn't sure. Like, as I said, it's a very a different view. I don't have a comment on how it made me feel necessarily besides interested, like looking at it from a new lens or just from the outside. Um, I thought that, uh, that how, if that was us, in those spots, like, in that situation, mm. like, it's so easy to get, like, you're saying, like, riled up and get involved in it and get consumed by this perspective. And amongst that, I think what resonated differently for me, now that I'm not a part of Christianity, that it was the language that was being used could be a bit uh, concerning because I felt like the documentary makers, the filmmakers, weren't trying to pick a side at least I didn't feel like they were. They were there was no commentary, right? They were just videoing it, um, and I wanted to say biased, but I thought some of the language was very interesting. While if you use that language today, it would be a bit scary, right? Like, and I know that's something we often the church talks about by being a warrior for Christ, um, and like and fighting for him. And I all I think about then is how we contrast that with like these jihad kind of activists and these warriors for Christ. We've got all these kids sitting there chanting. Um, this kind of, and it seems concerning. It's like, okay, if I took this out of the Christian context, I would be nervous. <laughs> what are these kids doing? <laughs> who are they? Who are they dying for and fighting for? Like, how the fuck do they know this? <laughs> like, um, so I don't know. It made me. It. Um, it certainly sparked something in me. It might have been a bit of anger, um, or but it definitely sparked something of wanting to. Uh, to talk to you about your view of it now that we're older and how does it make you feel with, I guess, um, I'm always interested from the new parenting side of things, um, but I guess just in general before we get into that, how did it make you feel thinking about yourself in the situation? Um, yeah, it, it was a bit of mixed emotions as well. I think reflecting on the experiences, I don't reflect on them fully negatively, but I do think there was some, um, it's the right way to phrase it, like, 
there's some room for them to improve, so to speak. You know, I don't think there were just bad experiences, but I do think no, there was course, things yeah. that, we, that we had as a part of, you know. And I guess how you're representing it is true. If you were, an, um, like, a, a truly, you know, introduced to this for the first time, if you're, like, some, a complete agnostic or atheist and you'd never heard of... Um, Pentecostal Christianity, and this was your this documentary is your perception of it, or your first view of, of, of that religion, if you will. It would be like, oh, be like, okay, yeah, what, you know, what what's going on here? Like, why is mm. it so aggressive? And and um, I do think the filmmakers did try to present it like that. Like, okay, what if you saw Christianity for the first time? Like when they had those kind of B-roll sections where they would. Talk about you know what what they believe like okay born again Christian right what does that mean and they try to be a bit like um, take take a sort of a step back and just sort of you know show Christianity as if it's something that some no one's ever seen before or like particularly deep South Pentecostal Christianity right but I think for for me personally. I saw I it's I saw myself in those kids a little bit, and I wondered like how many of those kids are, are still in church? Because I mean, we think about you think about all the kids and of your your peers as well. Like when you were in youth group, and I mean, they were a bit of my peers as well. There was no one really my age as I came through youth group. But you think about so many different people in in your generation of youth group, from um, you know the Thwaites to. Um, People like Madison, people like Reese, people like Derek, Tanya, I'm just throwing names out there that kind of come into you. Mm. But like Josh, the rug years, Pete, like Josh Peters of the world, like all these people who experience mm. all this stuff and who haven't touched church in 10 years, right? Like, I, I don't know, I don't know, mm. I can't speak for every single one of them, but at least my perception of their lives has taken a trajectory away from this Pentecostal Christianity. And, you got to wonder how many of those kids in this sort of deep south religion like kind of didn't wake up one day the same kind of realization and go wait wait a second like this isn't a functional way to inhabit a a society Uh, and particularly and i I guess maybe the whole politicizing of it might have made it difficult more difficult for them to step out of it but if they did step out of it then that might have made it even more difficult for them to consider it again because it's such an aggressive standpoint but I did see, mm. I did sort of, you know, like, it'd be great if you could have interviewed those kids again in 10, 15 years' time and show them all that. And then mm. they have themselves in those videos. And you'd, you'd definitely still have some that, you know, would still be in church and still be a part of that. But you'd also have some that would be, you know, completely against it. Mm. That's a good point. I think I felt uh, something similar too. I'm like, oh, I would be cool to do a follow-up. Like, where are they now? Because mm. I think as not just... Um, like, some people are adapted really well to the removal of themselves from that environment. Uh, me, I, not as much, I think, because I did it later than most people in the mid-20s. Mm. And, um, you know, still struggle with some of it, the changes in values and thought processes. So it'd be interesting to see the byproducts, the results of such behaviours as kids. Um, you know, we talk about, and this might be a, this is obviously an extreme relation but we talk about uh, the children warriors or the children fighters mm. in you know Africa. We've got kids saying that they're a warrior for Christ. And I'm thinking to myself, the mental game must be kind of similar. Uh, a mental realization that you're fighting for something. Um, and furthermore, you're focusing on death at such a young age. 
focusing on afterlife. Uh, I wonder, and that certainly put a lot of pressure on me emotionally, and I'd be very interested to see and hear uh, those people's views as they've mm. grown up. Have they developed mentally healthy responses to things? Are they going through things life with you know, the same vigor that they would have had being a Christian or not being a Christian? Yeah, I think you, you said something that I was thinking about at the same time, a lot of pressure emotionally. I mean, there's that scene with the young girl in the bowling alley, and she's a very devout Christian, and she they were there for some youth group, and they were bowling, and she was clearly contemplating something, and she saw this woman who clearly looked not of church. You know, she was a bit... Uh, promiscuously dressed and I think she had a tattoo or a few piercings and a few things and this girl clearly singled her out and and sort of had an inclination to go and talk to her about Christ and she went and said that God's saying this for you and and I feel like God needs to tell you this and and I look I, I think I love the heart of it I love that the, you know it's a, she's trying to do a nice thing at the end of the day but on the other side it's like it's fucking terrifying for that child and there's a lot of mm. pressure on that kid and kids in that situation to go into the world or, or school or whatever parts of their lives that they may exist to be a warrior for Christ, to mm. share the good news, to, you know, because because kids see so black and white, like, all right, mm. you go to heaven or you go to hell, and all right, well, if you don't believe in the same thing, then they're going to hell. So that's a lot of pressure to go, well, shit, like, mm. the people I care about and love are going to go to hell if I, if I don't do something, like, what if I am not brave enough to do something? Mm. And and I, I totally agree that that is so much emotional pressure. And I think that's something that resonated with me when I was growing up in that environment was there was often a lot of pressure, you know, to, to yeah, be a warrior for Christ, as you're saying, and, and, and uh, sacrifice and, and um, uh, yeah, stress almost to do that, right? Like, it's a, it's, 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 there's an urgency to it to go and talk to your friends and be a Christian, and, and mm. it's a constant sort of weighing on your emotional mindset to, to be that kind of a warrior. Yeah. I think it's 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 definitely that. This is so direct social aspect. I, I feel too. Furthermore, it's the invisible, the om, the omniscient, the all like seeing, all knowing God as well. Yeah. Do not know that you're not just going to lose your friends if you don't do it to heaven, like to hell rather. Um, you're going to God's judging your decisions and the tasks that you're taking. So you're not ever alone. Like you, <laughs> there's no like time alone in your room or you know when God can't see you. And every decision is going to be down and on paper or whatever. You're going to yeah. be accountable for all this stuff. And as a kid, trying to distinguish right and wrong uh, you, with that principle in mind makes you feel very... I mean, I certainly hit a lot of things to satiate the urges and desires I had. You know, And it, makes, it certainly is amplified or is a difficult thing to get rid of as you get older. It's just trying to be like, well, no, not everybody is judging me. I don't have a community around me that's determining if I'm sinning or not, let alone a God watching me all the time. Yeah, I think that weighs on it as well. Like that responsibility to to God mm. uh, to do the right thing. I often find a lot of pressure to follow God's plan. You know, that God's got a plan and a purpose, and if you listen to Him and if you uh, abide by His rule, you will follow this plan and purpose, this sort of perfect plan and purpose for your life, and I sort of always felt this pressure 
that if you don't, then you are missing out on something by, by not doing that right. Mm. So, I, I, yeah, I totally agree that ev- everything that you were doing is scrutinized at some level if not in a private setting or, or, you know, an instance that you've fallen short of the mark and seen that there's that sort of pressure responsibility to to be of a certain character, but then, but, but also there's a, there's a, you know, the added layer that it, it might affect your future in some way or, or your relationships to God or other people. Like it's a lot of, it's quite a layered, yeah, a, a layered obligation really. Mm. Mm, it is, and I, you know, I think it's um, it's a useful obligation too. I think at times, like, I I know for, I know there's studies determining around longevity and believing in something bigger than yourself, having a religious practice or spiritual practices. That's the phrase is used, and so there is great value in thinking mm. there is something bigger and a bigger plan, or things are happening for a reason. And so it seems to be something that's intertwined with our longevity and our health, um, even our evolution, is to believe in something bigger. And it does, I mean, help foster a long, healthy, happy life for us. I guess it's learning the difference between the Christianity that you get to experience now, the relationship between you and God that's your own, and the one that was defined for us as a kid. Um, it was really hard to... Yeah. To figure out where that lies. I mean, I went to a new church in my twenties, and that really helped me realize that I can be myself um, and not a mold that I felt I had to in the old churches that we were going to. Mm. Um, I felt like I could have a beer. I felt like I could swear a little bit. That the things aren't as black and white, and it made me feel like I could not like some music and like other music and not feel like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, and so that was really nice. It, the it's a it's a difficult thing to pull out to to find that difference particularly as a kid um, and I think that made me a bit angry a little bit um, I really I, I guess it's only on my responsibility it's my interpretation of the events but I certainly struggled with that personally but you see people like I think the woman's name is Becky and she was like the children's pastor and, and you see that she has some, like you're saying, some deep-rooted cause that she's fighting for and believes in. And it was almost willing to, you know, it's a dramatic phrase, but sacrifice these children for that cause, right, in the sense that these are part of her army. And, and I guess, you know, when we had leadership that probably felt similarly, probably not as... Well, maybe as religiously strong as she did, but, you know, we... We're, we're under that as well, and I think personally, as I think about engaging Alessia in some sort of church and religious practice, like, that's terrifying that she might run into a Becky, you know? <laughs> like, I yeah. don't want her to talk or engage with someone who is that extreme or, or um, that, that black and white, so to speak. That, that, but that those sort of characters tend to get fostered into religious leadership. Like, I just haven't experienced religious leadership that that isn't quite like that yeah if that makes sense yeah there's a Um, sort of fanatical thing to it isn't there there's a yeah I, i feel like and i feel like it's almost i don't know how to word this effectively but i feel like because the word faith is in it like because you have to have some faith 
putting too much thought in something that's kind of neutral, it feels like it creates too much doubt. Um, I feel like maybe the energy and the over-enthusiasm and the, I guess, overzealousness. Can you even use that word, like phrase like mm. that? Being so zealous mm. that um, <clears throat> I feel like it's almost, it's either because you have to be the front face to this, the, the leader, you have to kind of show that there is no other option in your head, that this is the way to go. And that breeds mm. a sense of... Um, like determination it brings a sense of enthusiasm and and might look mad because it is kind of mad anybody that's completely obsessed with anything and mm. believes it black and white will seem insane to somebody else so yeah, i think really hard to find a leader in those environments that wouldn't be like that and i think that obsession attracts people that need something to believe in you know mm. that that sort of there's always that church, the expression that church often attracts the people, you know, the outcasts of society, to put it in that way, people who aren't quite making it work for themselves. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you see these sort of Beckys of the world who can stand up there and be quite fanatical and, and, and a little bit charismatic in how they present things and, and they win people over. Mm. Um, and, but I think typically they win people over who are looking for something to be won over to, if, you, if that makes sense. Like, and, yeah. and that often attracts people who are struggling in society in some way, and that might be for a personal reason or some reason, some, some choices that they've made. But, you know, I, 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 you don't often see people you know, walking into churches who have functioning lives. People come into a church because they're looking for something, and you know, I mean, it's like you were saying earlier, that sort of believing in, in, in something gives them purpose and it gives them a, a way to, uh, you, you know, reclaim the order in their life, to use an expression. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's dangerous because it's it's often people who are a bit fanatical who are providing that that viewpoint to, pe- to, to, to the lower class of the lower class, but those people who need some help, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you think too, like, that's a good point, I think, oh, what I'm hearing in your voice is it's the confidence, you know, it's like you go to the doctor or the the person with the health solutions that says, mm. no, this will work, you know, and like uh, cult leaders, exactly the same thing, I, this is it, you know, and I think we're all just searching for some certainty, like we're all just searching for something we can be sure on and believe in holistically, mm. uh, give us some sort of grounding. And then people hear about the opportunity to have answers to, answers to questions and people believing it so um, enthusiastically and confidently. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that as a great sales tactic. You know, you, your product is the best product yeah. and you believe in it. And if you saw that in this woman where she would tell you as well how good she is at winning kids over. She would say things in the documentary like, I could preach for an hour and no one else can preach for an hour and I can, you know, get a kid from not believing God to believing and to being fully converted within a certain amount of time. Like, people can't believe how good I am at what I do. Like, if anything is pi- I've picked up on in, in the last sort of 10 years or so about Christianity is, like, those people the most terrifying motherfuckers. People <laughs> who... The people who think they are better than others at being uh, at, at leading the pack in, in religion, right? Because it's mm. it's it's, a, it's an antithesis to what the religion's about, which is actually mm. not. You know, it, they trying to they are elevate themselves by other people in order that they might 
feel more like they're a godlike figure, right? It's yeah. about pride in the day. You can see so much pride in this Becky woman, right? Oh, yeah. She loved the fact that she could talk and preach, and, you know, and she wanted to be the center of attention and how good she was, and she could just, you know, all right, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, stop stop having an ego trip. Like, and, yeah. And I think that, for me, is, is so a part of, these leaders in religion is they love to have an ego trip but for me that's the first warning sign if when I walk into any a, a new church or talk to someone about Christianity if they're like yeah you know I'm so good at being a preacher or I'm like really clever yeah. I read the bible all the time it's like yeah I, I got no time for you right like I think yeah. we felt a bit of that with with Gladwin he would often be this sort of you know seer like figure who was always so knowledgeable and had all the answers and would just come up and, and appear to be a, you know a, a, a bit too good to be true right you know i can never be as good as gladwin that sort of a thing gladwin was our senior pastor at church when we were growing up and um and, and yeah I, th- I think there was a lot of pride in that i've done it a certain way and i've done it really good and and, and it's because of i've you should follow the way i'm doing it because i'm doing it right mm. and, and i just think oh man that's so dangerous it's just not what it's it's not it's completely against what what Jesus is about, man. Mm. Mm, it's tricky then. I mean, you do look for these people for guidance. And, I mean, my old pastor at Kingsway, the, the church I went to after our one, was um, kind of very much with his spiritual guidance. It was like, well, man, it's up to you, kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. like, uh, very much left it in the ball in my court. And I'm kind of going, I'm just feeling so confused with this. It doesn't make any sense. Things like, that's part of the deal. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I like that answer. It's a better answer yeah, than yeah. anything else. Like, you just got to rock and roll with it, the kind of attitude. I'm like, okay. Um, and Dad even told me years ago, it's like, you know, I just look for these God is great moments, these moments I can remind myself that God's doing some good shit for me. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it too. You know, they're, they're good personal answers. I think mm-hmm. that's part of what misses, or maybe even the miscell that people are misled to, is that this will give you certainty. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it doesn't give you certainty. You know, the idea is eventually it gives you initial relief, but after some time you realize the answers aren't going to show up. You have to find them yourself still. you just got a community to do it with, and we're calling it Christianity today. Um, and that's the community that we've all decided to put our little flag under. Um, and we're figuring out our own spiritual journey based on it. I feel like anything governed by man, by people, particularly in big groups, is destined for corruption or destined for some negativity. Um, you know, you got to manage the individual. Very hard. And the individual's perspective with, with faith and spirituality um, needs to be I mean, considered always. It's a very difficult thing to balance. And it's almost impossible not to get a big head. Like, how, how could you be someone who preached to 20,000 people and, and not think? your king shit like mm. that's that's you're asking a lot of a human <laughs> if that's what you want mm. you know want them to walk away and not think themselves some sense of superiority right mm. um but I, I mean i resonate with what you're saying like and these these kids in the documentary are around relying on god for solutions and fixing problems like praying into problems and i, I always I continue to struggle with that like I love prayer I think it's a great way to talk to God but at the same time is there's clear that message that oh it's 
it can fix your problems as well. And it's like, well, well, no, 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 the problems are still there. God isn't a magician. He doesn't wipe things away. He doesn't, you know, click his fingers and it's gone. And you can pray, you can talk to God about it, but you can't, you can't remove the personal responsibility that relies on you to fix your problems at the end of the day. So you walk into church and you're going to have problems and here's a bit of a framework from Jesus about how to live life a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, you've still got to work on Monday and confront your angry boss or deal with your shitty marriage or fix your, your crappy family. Like, those problems are still there. Change has to happen in other ways. You may have some guidance in a, in a community from that, but you can't just pray your, your, your problems away. Mm. Mm. And that... That's a good point, right? Like, there's maybe a bit more of a, a learner's manual that needs to come along with this. Like, not just that moment when you pray up the front of the church and you're yeah. saved. Yeah. And maybe there should be, like, a contractual agreement afterwards and you kind of read through some detail here and be like, well, just as a heads up, this isn't going to work exactly the way that yeah. we're saying it works. It's, uh, there's more detail to it. It's like the fine print, the asterisk. Yeah, 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 so, sure. And I find, I think that's what aggravated aggravates me a little bit, or the most about all of this, um, is we've got these influential leaders, and we've got these peak kids who are like more generally a bit outcast, and like you were saying, they're the kind of demographic that ends up being pulled to a yeah. church. Yeah. Um, not that I was all you. I don't think you. Were, I don't ever felt outcast young until I got homeschooled. Uh, <laughs> so um, I felt fine, <laughs> but I, I just find it. A very, um, I get a bit. I feel like mum and dad could have had a bit more responsibility on this. They didn't know what was going on, the full length of it. But if you put a bunch of kids in an environment uh, where there ha- there is a way to fit in to this club, to this gang, mm. to these people, and by doing the way things the way that they're telling you to do it, and if you can join this club or gang. <laughs> You go by it, and for sure, particularly as young men. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about it all the time, just looking for young men. Young men often are looking for somewhere to fit in. They're looking for a group. They're looking mm. for some sort of club, and they want to prove themselves in these things. And so we've got these kids that are looking to find their place in the world. Mm. And these child soldiers of Christ are being put in an environment where they don't actually really have a choice. They can continue to not fit in, which is socially social suicide for everybody. Nobody really wants that. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, like, even the kids that didn't fit in at church, the non-Christian kind of kids, were kind of ostracized, right? Like, we never really hung out with them. I never really thought highly of them. They never stuck around long. Mm-hmm. Um, those kids that, you know, came from some sort of um, housing commission thing or whatever yeah, it was, yeah. they would never, unless they committed to the, to the cause. So I think it's, I find it, in most other situations, I don't know, I just find it really... To be indoctrinated at such a young age or something like this, with kids don't have any choice, has some weird kind of spiritual pedophilia in my head. <laughs> it's because if you think of it, it's they're having no, they're getting groomed into a position that they do not understand yeah. by people in a far more superior power than they are, in an environment where they are not comfortable until they are indoctrinated, and I think that that's a really questionable thing to put a child into. It's a, yeah, it's a really difficult thing to do right, I think. Um, I, I agree. I'm not sure if I'd go as far as the pedophilia. <laughs> it's <laughs> a good analogy, it's, though, right? It's, you can see the connection. <laughs> it, it's, it's strong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but it, it is it is a form of abuse, no doubt. It's emotional abuse at the very least. Um, and, and you know that's probably what you and I resonate quite strongly with is is the emotional abuse that that religion can elicit um, in people, and I suppose in this instance, in kids in particular. Um, and, and yeah, it is. It's terrifying to think how easily that was accepted, right? Mm. Um, amongst not just our family, but all the families that we were a part of, you know, in, in that community, that that was, you know, the, the, this, this sort of youth camp emotional outpouring was, you know, endorsed by hundreds and hundreds of people in our community and, and no one thought to, to sort of engage in a dialogue and say, hey, wait a second, like, these are kids, yeah, is, you know, they're, they're just we, we, we and we've, we've got to have conversations, not not tell them what we think because we haven't figured shit out yet. Um, yeah. And, and, <laughs> like, yeah, um, and how old were you when you were water baptized? Yeah, that's terrifying, right? Um, yeah. I think there's a photo of me. I would be no more than ten, right? I'd be baby, yeah. uh, and I publicly in a in a. Yeah beach publicly somewhere and you think <laughs> you think how fucking weird that is right yeah um <laughs> and it just further it further ostracizes you from the society that you're meant to be living in right it further separates your similarities and makes you even weirder um it just leaves you less places to go yeah so, that's a good phrase so you said to me a second ago about emotional um uh, abuse and uh, point with at did you feel that yourself then? I don't know. Is that something you've discussed with any therapist or something, or um, how do you, does that resonate for you? Because obviously for me, I guess not being a part of it, I can go, yeah, okay, that fucked with me. Um, but still being a part of Christianity, do you still see that something? Um, do you still feel the resonance of some sort of abuse in that environment because it's not the same environment? Or yeah, how does that manifest for you? Yeah question i think for a long time i've felt um sort of like i guess guilt trip overhangs or something like that you know that sort of makes sense you know things that would should normally i should normally feel guilt from doing i should uh, i should repent of certain things in my life Mm -hmm. that no longer like that now i know okay it's a bit ridiculous or that's probably not the worst thing for me to do you know, to get shit faced or something, <laughs> relax a little bit and have a drink or some, um, something like that. Like, uh, yeah, th- there's still, I think, a small part of me that goes, well, wait a second, this isn't right. I go, wait a second, actually, maybe it's not completely wrong either, right? Mm. To, to, and, uh, I mean, I would, I'd be lying to you if that, if I, if there's things in my decisions I make that still don't, aren't impacted by my religious upbringing. You know, like, um, I've never been to a strip club. Um, would that be a nice thing for a young male to go to do? Yeah, fuck, I think it sounds great. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but there's this sort of sense of, oh, well, like, well, maybe religious, like, there's this religious overhang where it's like, okay, well, that's probably, it's something all back in my mind has always been, okay, there's a, there's a, a negative connotation to that, but it's clearly a socially acceptable thing and, and there's, yeah probably some 
there's some good and there's some bad in it, and it's a bit of black and it's a bit of grey rather than black and white. Mm. Um, and I just use that as as an example to to think to answer your question to say, yeah, there's definitely I guess decisions that I still make, and probably not as many these days. I mean, almost thirty, so it's been a long time since I've really been a part of a church like that. But there's definitely decisions that I still make that I go, okay. Um, there's there's a residue of of Christian black and whiteness um, still in me today, but not to say like but it, uh, it it has been a part of my life for a long 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 time and it and it mm. did definitely torment the living shit out of me for many years. <laughs> for many years. Have you found that that's that black and white kind of thing? has transferred into other non-Christian decisions in your life? It has certainly made it difficult for me to deal with my emotions. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think. I just talk to my therapist often about me being a very analytical young boy, you know, quite maths-orientated, quite, you know, always sort of saw the, you know, always kind of enjoyed math, but maths had the right answer, right? So maths is black and white often, 90% of the time, right? And so then I think you can combine a little a young boy who's who sees the world in, in, in that sort of way, and you put him into a very very conservative Pentecostal religious church where he has the chance to demonstrate that the world can be black and white. He goes, mm. "Fuck, that's that. I'm good at that. I can do that really well. I can show you how good I am at making it black and white." Mm. And at the same time, you overlay that with with a, a family environment designed around making mum happy. So you go, "Well." I can be a very good Pentecostal Christian that makes my mom and everyone else around me happy, uh, and that should make me happy because I'm doing things that are right rather than things that are wrong. And all it taught me was that I define my happiness by making other people happy. And when I got into a corporate world and I grew, grew up a little bit, like I could never make people, you can never make anyone else happy, right? They define their own happiness and they've got their own problems and you can, you're not in control of that. So you just got to do, figure out what you, what, what makes you happy. And, and that still sits with me today. I still don't even really know sometimes what makes me happy and what I yeah. want to do in situations because yeah. I never got the chance to process those emotions because I saw the world as right and wrong. And this is what God wants me to do, not what I want to do. Or what I feel like I should do, right? Mm. Or so. So yeah, I think it definitely um, still plays a part in, in, in my life in that sense, and that's it's still hanging around from from the scene that was black and white. Still makes it difficult for me to go. Oh, why do I feel the way that I feel? Uh, and process my emotions and figure out what I actually want, not what God wants or what. I think that my pastor wants me to do, or I think my youth leader wants me to do. What does what does David actually want to do? What David actually thinks is the right thing for, uh, 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 you know, a, 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 for a particular reason, right? Mm. For your own particular reason, right? And that's it, good. I, I relate to you touching on that point. It's hard to figure out what you actually want. I felt lazy, I guess, growing up, or maybe it wasn't lazy. It was just that default, like, oh, these are the right things. I don't need to consider what's wrong and right. You know, and now you yeah. do, that's a really good point because I think that's often something I even thought about today. I'm like, oh, I just want to figure out what I want. Like, I think if I was trying to think about the things that I actually really want in my life, I'm like, I want to die quickly. 
like not to die soon, but for death to happen suddenly. I don't want to suffer it, into my death. When it's, when it's, when it's nearby, like, let it, like yeah, let it happen quick. That's the only thing it, I want. I don't. It doesn't matter really when at this point. <laughs> I'm thinking food doesn't even make me happy. I'm like, fuck, I don't give a shit. I want to eat so I don't die just in a horrible way, right? Like this is my thought process, right? That's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty shit place to start, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, at least I have something, you know, something, like, you got something to start. that's right, yeah. The, the, the mark changes so much, you know, like, at the end of the day, you just want to have a purpose and be happy. Uh, like, you want to feel like you're going some, doing something for a reason and you want to be happy. Um, but it's certainly, I go, well, I don't know what the fuck makes me happy. Like, and mm. I've been, I mean, coming out of it when I was 25, um, gay, May put, at uh, 26, put me in a position that was so fucking full on. It's like a child, like a child coming to this world all new. Mm. And at Mm. first it comes across as complete nihilism and then degrade and then progresses into some, some balance between, oh, there needs to be purpose. You have to give value to things in life. Otherwise nothing feels good. And, um, but that still resonates that, that, that taste of nihilism in, in, in it because you feel like it's a little fake pretending that things matter and it's uh and so you go through this learning process that everybody might have done when they were 15 or 16 so you're meeting other adults mm. that look at you look like an adult to them you look like an adult but they get a talk in here and you, they realize that you've gone through i you know what made me realize the most was when i tell a few people like, overseas about my general story just general and i'd bring up little bits and pieces i wouldn't give the whole life story but by the time I got through like homeschooling and the divorce and whatever else, people are like look at me going, How old are you? I'm like, I'm twenty six. They're like, Jesus. They're like, Oh crap, you have like three lives. Like, you and I and I have to take a step back. I'm like, and they go, You turned out okay. I'm like, What the fuck are you talking about? I'm, I'm fine. Like, fine. Basically look back and go, there was a lot of lot of loop lot of things to uh, to figure out, but coming into the to the world even then, it just has that and like makes you so scared of intimacy scared to like get close to another person um it it's, makes you confused with like where you sit with your values and you have to kind of yeah. re- take stock and reconsider all those feelings that you're talking about without out the black and white rules to go along with it uh, so now you got to make your own decisions and you're doing them as if you're sick of the, the angst of a 16 year old without the fucking hormones to support me so. <laughs> and i think it may it, it would almost uh, make you scared to consider that there's something meaningful again because having explored, having, having lived in a world that had a outcome, let's call it heaven, right? You're like, okay, that's that's what we're all here to do is to get everyone to heaven, and that's that's the purpose, that's the meaning. And then it's kind of we sort of it, it, you grow up and you realize that that's quite a flawed way to ex, you know live your existence because it's not black and white. It's it's, it's great it's you need to be flexible in how you look at the world and people and situations and so then you're yeah, like you said it's this nihilism is well, well fuck that there's nothing like and i'm gonna go completely the other side um but i think that's where people uh, we often talk about it. jordan peterson comes back in and goes wait a second like uh, there is actually purpose to be found in having in having something to work towards right like having some meaning or purpose or, or, or you know having a higher belief whatever you want to call it and you know there, there is something i think innately within us that that strives towards that that you know it's hard to get away from the desire to find meaning in your life 
Um, but it, it, it would certainly, I imagine, leave you at this place where you go, wait a second, I spent 25 years trying to, you know, following something I thought had meaning, and where did that leave me? Like, divorced and emotionally broken, and in a whole shitload of, you know, a whole lot of shit. So it's like, well, that didn't fucking work. <laughs> so I'm gonna go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, and that totally makes sense. And I think that that um, it it's. It, it must be harder now to rediscover, I guess, almost trust that there is some level of normal, fulfilling life again in, in having a purpose because cause last time that you explored that, and I think this would resonate for a lot of kids in the documentary who've grown up and gone, well, what the fuck happened there? And they've probably mm. gone completely off, the, you know, inverted commas, off the rails and and they, they can't figure out a way to trust the fact that, hey, it's okay to have a purpose in life again, but you can mm-hmm. do that in a mature, flexible way that doesn't involve you having to be emotionally abused. Mm. Mm. It's well said, I think. Because it is difficult then in that sense to find purpose elsewhere, and that might give reason to the lack of... I mean, I can only relate to this personally, but it's difficult to commit to a purpose as oh, to commit yeah. to any sort of relationship mm, mm. with anything or anyone, knowing Being how a woman, right? Or, woman, or even with a, like a, a job or a hobby, mm. right? Mm. To holistically devote yourself to it is a daunting task because the last things that were devoted to ended so hardly, um, difficultly rather. And it was a, it was yeah, it's a really good perception of it. I think it's a really well spoken view. Um, I have, something I haven't considered all the dots to. Uh, do you think, how do you, sorry, go on. No, I was just saying, that's probably the biggest, one of the biggest scars that that kind of a Christianity would have left on our generation was the inability to, to trust having a purpose after that level of black and white failed. And, and I think, and I think as well on the other side, if you grew up not a Christian and you looked from the outside in, if you were an objective viewer of that documentary in 2005, whatever it was, you'd go and, and you go, well, what the fuck is that? That looks like, oh, these guys are, you know, like it's trust purpose when you see that the main way to get purpose is religion and that's your perception of it. Again, like how, like it, I don't think it will be as hard, but no wonder people you know, continue down a road that's without it because their perception of it in when they grew up in our generation, for kids, you know, people who weren't religious, their perception of it was pretty much exactly what it was, exactly what it ended up being, uh, emotionally abusing and, 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 a, and, a, and a, not the right way to, to view the world. So to, to again, you, you know, to, to trust a purpose, even for people who didn't trust the purpose when they were a kid, they think about what that would have, what that means, that means they would connect in their mind religion and they looked at religion as like that movie and that becomes an impossible thing to 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 resonate with. And I think that has created a lot of, what's the right, like, you know, a lack of direction in, in our generation around, well, what are we doing here? Mm. Mm. It's, it's a, it's a, the what are we doing here thing, I think you can see, I can see a lot of it in my friends. I mean, we've all gone in different kind of paths, kind of, but... None of them are like these um, career junkies. Um, mm. Like they're all still like trying to find their place and their footing. Like it's almost like we lost a lot of those transformative years or those establishing years to find that footing. You know, like people go to Europe to find themselves, and I feel like mm. I'm finding, still finding it now. I'm a bit frustrated that I'm behind other people that 
we've been able to find it. And, mm. um, so it's uh, it's definitely it, it's definitely something that's um, worth considering amongst amongst all this. And I guess uh, for you with Alessia and growing up in this, it's going to be a, an interesting task. Like you keep saying, it's something that you're scared of put in front of the wrong leaders, finding, mm. and then you got to find the right church for it. Uh, I mean, I, get, I said it before, I get, I get a bit frustrated at mum and dad's uh, irresponsibility with this. I guess they didn't know any better, but mm. I feel like you want to be on the front foot with being involved in it much, much, much more um, than Absolutely. just palming them off to, to these things. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, separating I mean, and knowing that they're, knowing like, sep- or maybe rather than being involved in it, separating them from it. More. Like, not rather than it being completely all-consuming, realizing that this isn't a sustainable living style. Like, like church, like home group once a week, youth group on sun- Friday nights, su- Sunday morning, Sunday night church with potentially, you know, volunteering work amongst that. Um, you're completely consumed by this process. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting balance to be able to say, I am fully devoted to Christ and living in these ways, and then trying to balance out the real world their expectations of what purpose is and what spirituality is um, and making it personal personalized because um, it does take away a lot of the things that are really appealing to Christianity which is that certainty mm. yeah I mean I have I have no idea how to introduce Lassie to this world I, you know it, it's that sort of double-edged sword I almost feel like I'm going to be the helicopter parent at church right it's like okay what would you learn today at Sunday school like tell me everything like yeah. right, that's a bullshit you know that's bullshit they haven't read this doctor or this scholar and what you know? What are they like? You know, so, yeah. so fuck out, David. It's like this yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a dad too, so you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, oh, I'm sort of terrified of doing that, but then again, yeah, terrified of not. I'm just sitting back and letting it happen because yeah, it's just it's not the way to, to to do it, and I don't know how to have that balance. And I just know there needs to be more conversations about it, like in more balance, and you know, maybe if she if she you know, has a Sunday school lesson, they talk about creationism, and it's like, okay, well, let's see, well, and I, but, I, you know, she's going to be six or seven learning about that, how do I have a, an intellectual conversation with the six or seven-year-old about the, the you know, how to read Genesis properly, like, when they're sitting there, and there's a 40-year-old woman teaching Sunday school who, who, who doesn't know how to read Genesis properly, right, and, and it's like, well, you know, I want her to think about these things herself, and I don't want her just to believe me because I know I don't have all the answers. Yeah, but I also yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's oh man, it's just gonna be such a balance, and I and I don't know. But also, I want her to have God in her life, and I want, you know, I think there's there is goodness in community. Uh, you know, Naomi and I right now are feeling a little bit ostracized from everyone. Actually, like we don't have a lot of people in our lives, and I think we've built communities for for many, many years around churches and we don't have a church right now and we don't have a community and I, you know, I want a feel for Alessia. She just doesn't have a lot of kids to hang out with. We don't have a lot of social activities on the weekend because, you know, a lot of our chances to build, like a lot of my school friends, for example, they've gone on and made their own lives outside of church and they all connect on a regular basis. But I had church and so that's what I went to and built community from and now that that's, I've, you know, moved to churches since. I don't have, a, I have, you know, fragments of, of relationships from those churches mm-hmm. and so to that point like okay there is still a desire to introduce lesser into these communities that can produce thriving you know friendships you think about you, you know who your friends are is to, to this day the rug is you know uh, 
to all their uh, discredits, they're still reasonable human beings, and yeah. and you met them at church of all places. You know, my my best friend, uh, you know, is Francis, and we grew up at church together. My other really good friends, Gavin, we we went to church together for from mm. many many years. Like some of the best people I know come from church, and so there's this part of me that goes, well, I feel I still think there's value in introducing Alessia to to a church environment. Uh, and so I still have that desire to do it, but also, yeah, I'm still, at, you know, at the same time, completely terrified about what what, what indoctrination she may go through uh, during that process. I think it's it's what resonates to me that the in, the indoctrinate the indoctrination indoctrination mm. of of her. I think, and what maybe that documentary kind of exemplified too was the holistic, the complete and absolute immersion from mm. the parent side of it, the school. Mm from the homeschooling, um, the complete helicopter parent doing like such immersion to the point where there was no contrast, right? Maybe she does do the church, she does everything, but you send her to a secular school. I don't know yeah. if this is the, but you know, like well, no, whatever right, it yeah. is, there, there is an, because um, I remember playing the soccer balance. with these with these guys, right? And because mm. I was in everything else anywhere, I was such an outcast for them. I just, I've never been more quiet in my life. And I like, and I, I was good, particularly at that age. I was fine mm. in soccer. Mm. But I was just such—I just be quiet because I didn't have anything to talk about. I didn't have anything yeah. to say. And but when I went to church, it's the coolest guy there. I felt like it was so fun. Yeah. Um, but that was just because my church, my school, my family, uh, everything in my life, all my social events were church, um, church friends, church people. Yeah. Um, and then it, it gets you to that point where you feel like you're just trying to make everybody happy, right? You're trying to make everybody happy living on those standards. You're being, mm. you know, you want to make sure this, and it's, t- it's cool to live by those standards of the gang. Uh, and, and mm. <clears throat> you know, you, you go through that process and, and making people happy, like making mum happy as well. I guess that must give you some sort of insight. It's, it's a weird balance because I guess what mum did was a complete immersion mm. or, and removal from anything that could quote-unquote hurt us yeah uh, and that for me and I, I remember I, I, looking back at it when I was 15 I had my shit together like telling mom like I need I need to be I need to go I was telling her at 13 14 I need oh, to really? go and get in trouble like I need to go get burnt she goes because you like you do if the, if the stove was hot I wouldn't let you touch it I'm like I don't know unless I touch it and um I remember having such conflict with mum. I don't know if mm. you remember, but I was in trouble all the time. Oh, I remember that, yeah. And I wasn't a bad kid at all. Like, I really I wasn't a horrible kid by any means. Um, but that really, really did. I could never make them happy. I remember begging them to be my friend. Like, I just need you guys to be my friend. Mm. And they were like, well, it's too bad. We're your parents. I'm like, well, fuck. Oh, I'm not going to tell you shit, am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to get you. Just, you're a fucking authority in my way. And, um, so I guess, you know, it'll be an interesting balance from what you learn from mum and what we're learning from this Christian stuff and how it's affected us as adults mm. on to the way, I guess, you'll kind of parent Alessia. I mean, you make a good point about finding some balance, you know, not, you know, if we do sort of do church, okay, you don't have to go to youth group every Friday, you should go and hang out with your, your school friends every now and then. You don't have mm. to volunteer at church, so it's okay, we can just come. Um, <clears throat> if you don't like doing it, maybe we don't have to go every Sunday. That's okay too. Like, um, and when you sort of grow up to be a teenager, we can have more insightful conversations. I want to talk to you about what that is and, and how it makes you feel, not 
tell what you tell you what you have to do and what, what you should be like yeah and you know not and, and not feel like you need to go to some christian school like i do not want to send it to shire christian nor inabara you know particularly as a primary i should want to send it to a, a public primary school for goodness sake mm. <laughs> i have no desire to send it to a christian primary school at all because yeah that just furthers the indoctrination i mean you're right those kids in that movie were just hit left right and center and like i mean similar like we were I mean, you barely escaped. Like, you went from went from homeschool to a, a, a fucking reformed, of all things. Yeah. Reformed, <laughs> reformed Christian. Christian. So Christian, right? As as much as it can get um, from a conservative standpoint. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, it, what you said probably gives me a bit of comfort to introduce her to church. They say, well, you can, we can do it, but let's find some balance that she has some secular activities that allow her to engage with people in a in a way that isn't black and white right mm, a bit more realistic yeah that's a good point have you um, found I remember a bit off topic with this but I talked to Naomi just passing around my uh we were talking about making people happy and making mum happy before. Um, mm. and, and Naomi and I were talking, I said, oh, I always end up hanging out with girls at parties. I don't, I hate the guys. I'm like, guys, do stuff. And Naomi's like, oh, you should talk to Dave about that. There's some interesting perspectives around how you guys are raised and your mum. I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck, I'll talk to you about that. I hear you've delved deep into both those psyches for, for both of us. Uh, can you give me some insight? <laughs> I um, I always make friends with the girls. I don't know what it is. Uh, at work, every corporate job I've had, I, I always get along better with the women than I do with the men. I'm never... Not to say I'm not one of the guys, not to say I can't talk to guys, but who, who do I make the best friends with? It's, it's, it's girls. Mm. And they're just so much easier to talk to than guys. Um, uh, which Nomi hates. <laughs> hates it. Um, but yeah, how how fucking psychology is that? Like from a from our mother perspective, right? Like, oh, we we're good at talking to women because we probably because we've spent the better part of twenty years making our uh, the, the most important woman in our life happy all the time. Like, try, try, trying to never able to, never able to, trying. Trying every every day to make, uh, and I guess maybe we're good at reading women. Maybe we can just sense emotions a bit better in women, because that's what we, that's how we learned to survive, for lack of a better phrase, in in our social dynamic. Um, how, that's hilarious. Do you find similarly that you you just click better with with women? Yeah, heaps better. I can barely stand male conversation after. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, unless it's like a real like artistic or like a feminine kind of guy, then I really struggle because the, mm. the chat that they have is so shallow, and I can't. And I want to break through something interesting, but yeah. I'm not really willing to have the conversations that I want. Um, and that's my. And so I end up going, oh, those boys, boys, yeah, you know that kind of like. <laughs> or they end up, oh, your chicks, pussy, oh, yeah. Like I'm like, oh, fuck, you get the football and things. I'm like, I'm yeah. not interested in any no. of this. This sounds boring. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, no, I'm exactly the same. Exactly the same. I prefer the company of chicks. And maybe that's made it even harder for us to con- connect back to a common society, right? When 
you know, you know, we sort of have this three three pronged, you know, school, family, religion sort of part that's shaping our lives, and then and an inability to socialize with people with whom we, you know, should be socializing. Not, you know, we're, we're not gay, so we're not the gay guy in the group with all the girls at school either, right? You're still sort of in the group with the guys, but you never really clicked the same. Like, yeah, it's, it was, you know, I was, I was certainly more comfortable in the classes that I sat next to girls than I did when I sat next to guys because I just had a bit more fun, could talk to them a bit more freely and, mm. and could just sort of socialize a bit better with them because, yeah, I don't know, maybe could never really read guys as well. Um, could, could definitely could definitely read women better. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's, I think you said it before when you're saying coming into the work environment and trying to balance out um, making people happy. Um, it makes, like, confrontations really hard. But most mm. guys are really good at confrontation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm just so, like, I don't want to do it. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm horrible just terrified, you know, <laughs> by my mum or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, not showing which way, not sure which way it's going to go or how what I'm going to be saying that is taken. Um, no, 100%. Yeah, and, you know, women are probably typically, on a, you know, generally speaking, less confrontational than men. And also, humour. I think I always find that you can make a girl laugh um, much easier than you make a guy laugh. Okay. <laughs> you know, I still I still have calls, like conference calls these days, I try and crack a stupid joke, and there's a, you know, a bunch of guys, and, like, it's just fucking stonewalled. Um, you know, I could have had a call... 20 minutes before and I could have had a few women giggling at what I was saying like because you know as a yes you tell a story or as you as I you know humor and you know you're probably similar to me how you use humor and telling stories and, and keeping people engaged like that but I always use humor to try and break the awkwardness in, in situations and it's so much easier to and I guess the, in the awkwardness of conflict particularly it's so much easier to do with 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 women than it is with men because people what men don't laugh at my jokes typically no yeah <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny that you say that. And Dad actually called me out on it at Christmas where uh, we had Uncle Sil rambling mm. about things that were so wrong. And I'm, and I'm trying to – and he's, like, even saying things like, oh, I'm smart. You know, I'm smarter than all of you. I'm like, fuck, did you guys both Whoa. love and Uncle Sil? Yeah. <laughs> and I said to him at one point, I said, have you considered that I'm smarter than you? And, like – and uh, he's like, look, it'd be funny for a second there. Uh, <laughs> not, I didn't say I was smarter than him, but I put my hand on his lap when he's late, while he's midway through a rant about something he's going on and on, and I put my hand on his, and this is what I do for the people that don't stop talking or interrupt you a lot. Okay. Let them talk a little bit, and if I try to talk, I, they'll try to talk through them or let them talk over me for a second. If I want to talk, really want to get a point, I'll, put my, I'll touch them. So I put my hand on his knee just for a second. Okay. And he stopped immediately. And I, <laughs> I was like, oh, holy shit. Just man and eat, just like gracefully and kindly, like like as a womanly touch, you know, like that, that calming motherly touch. You know, like okay. Kind of feel it. And um, and then said my piece to and took my hand off, off his knee so he could continue talking. Yeah, I do that with Josh all the time. It's my shut the fuck up, but very nicely. And Dad's like, wow, you know, that was really cool. He talked to me about it on Boxing Day, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I get, and I can see it now that you're saying it. It's just such much more a feminized way of mm. communicating How and funny. I'm not trying to like talk over somebody or be riled or get all egotistical and or whatever it is I just I'm using a physical thing I'm like oh it is a really a guy would like or generally would I, never masculinity would never promote would never something like someone like that no mm. that's hilarious I have to use that that's great oh yeah <laughs> these names <laughs> 
That's so a little touch of the shoulder or something. That's so yeah. good. Just yeah, a gen- no. not like a tap. It's just like no, it's like a little like he- a arm on the shoulder, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 just a very comforting. Like it's okay. Like you can stop. You're validated. Yeah, yeah. I'm he- hearing you. I've heard yeah, you. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've validated you. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, I think. Um, I mean, you can, it's, I mean, probably going back to what we were talking about before, but it's it's sort of hard to separate separate the, the religious upbringing even even with the sort of even with the ability to talk to women rather than men you know even the ability to have conflict and even the ability to sort of have these these conversations with people that we you know you and I both are probably terrible at when we were adults that you know the sort of conservative Christian upbringing them gave us those opportunities to have I guess what's the you know real manly conflict right it's it's it was always you know the, the term the other cheek phrase was also always what mm. what um what we were sort of taught i remember in high school i i almost got into a fight with this kid and um i look back on it now and i was like god i wish i punched him in the face <laughs> but i just i i would have been te- too terrified i think uh, because that was never what we were told. He's told to always avoid conflict and avoid, you know, it's always about peacekeeping and, and but you know, there's always this narrative. Uh, but the reality of the world is that you must learn to punch someone in the face. I think, and I don't think Christianity ever teaches you that sometimes when there's a dickhead in front of you, it's really okay to punch them in the face. I reckon you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Dad told me. I remember playing soccer a few times. And yeah. Dad, it was like people, like people, Dad's like, you should have punched that fucking person in the face. Like, people punched me. Someone spat on me once. Oh really? And Dad's like, why don't you hit him? I'm, like, I'm not gonna punch anybody, and I still never have. And yeah. And like, but it's a funny, funny you mentioned that story at the Christian school. We were doing a surf, like um, on Fridays, we we're doing surfing for sport. Mm. And there's 15 of us, and there are in the changers maybe 20, mm. 10 from my grade and year 10 or year nine, and then 10 from the grade above me. Okay. And we're in there, and this is just before Cronulla riots. So we're in there, and there's these four bed dudes in there. <clears throat> and they were speaking Arabic. And our friend, who's Arabic, goes, he's Lebanese as well too, actually, and said, they're talking about us. These guys come up and blindside punch one of my mates. Oh, wow. In the back of the head, because he had an afro, apparently. Don't like his hair, is what he said. We pushed him off. Whoa, whoa, what the hell? Just one punch. So I just leave it alone. Everyone's kind of settling back down. And then they come up to two of them, either side of him, grab him by the back of his shirt from behind, push him down, and just start uppercutting him into his face. Oh, my gosh. So a couple of us run in and try to push him off. We're just trying to stand between him. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. One other guy in the was caught him. Look, I'm really, look, whatever we've done, we're really sorry. He's trying to, like, be really peaceful to him. One of the guys walks up, goes, oh, yeah, and then blindsides him. Knocks him out cold because his hands are down. The guy's yeah. just like, I'm not trying to do anything. I catch him on his way down. We didn't throw a punch this whole time. This went on for yeah, a few minutes. Yeah, wow. they, they run out of the locker room, and one guy's like, no, let's go get him. And they're like, no, 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 don't do that because we're fucking terror. Everybody in that room. And, like, there's a few of us are big boys, and these yeah. guys maybe maybe might have been, like, 18 or so. There's still 20 of us. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like... <laughs> We come out of it, and my PE teacher comes up to me and two of the other guys, who are some of the footy guys, and I'm like, why didn't you fight back? And the guy in the grade above me is like, because I don't want to get expelled. Like, I don't, like, 
<sighs> so I don't want to get expelled for this. I don't know what rules are. And we had a chat to us. They ended the school and are pulling us aside, telling us, no, you need to defend your friends if you're in those situations. And we're just kind of like, well, we don't really. Are we allowed to? Like, I don't know what we're meant to do. I don't know how to do that, right? I still, I never for a second thought about punching those people. I never yeah, for a second yeah, thought yeah. about physically hitting them. Um, and to protect somebody that deserves protecting. Uh, it's an interesting, interesting call you say it like that. No, it's, 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 it's totally, that's, that's an amazing story, right? Like, mm. you, none of you felt the urge to, to fight back. Where, like, you should, like, that's, and, and, I mean, what you learn from having punch, if you had punched that person, what you would have learned from the experience of getting into a fight is so much more than you would have learned by getting your ass kicked. Mm. Like, if I had punched this kid in high school, like, the, the, the maybe the self-esteem or, or the pride that I would have felt from having gotten to a fight and story and, you know, okay, or maybe I would have gotten suspended for an after day, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Probably, I probably had the same thoughts running through my head, like, oh, I don't want the teacher to see me punching someone in the face, like, mm. when he started the fight, like, even though that, right? But, mm. yeah, like, this shit that runs through your head, but, but what is really valuable is not running from the conflict but embracing the conflict and and again like a lesson that is failed to be taught to you know conservative indoctrinated young kids is Mm. that conflict is okay Mm. and conflict is normal and you should embrace it because there's a lot to learn from it Mm. Uh, and i don't think we're ever really taught to manage that conflict no no we definitely weren't i mean it's hard to say. I feel like maybe our lifestyle from it would influence a lot of how we behave as well with mum and the mm. family. Because, like, Josh and other people, I mean, they're a bit emotionally inept, but nevertheless more than happy to be confrontational. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's true. Yeah, maybe perhaps that's why, because they are emotionally inept. But the, yeah, I, I wonder how much of it is the Christianity and how much of it is, is our upbringing. Mm. But it certainly had an influence on a lot of the decisions. Um, it almost makes me feel like, if I'm just spitballing here, it makes me want to go like by the path of least resistance. Um, and it makes me feel lazy, I guess, when I say that out loud, or sound lazy. Uh, you know, you don't want something to be too hard. And I think that maybe compi- like compiles with the commitment thing too, like as a double negative. <laughs> it doesn't make a positive in this sense. But, you know, hard to commit to something... Um, as well yeah yeah i get you saying like because i mean engaging in committing to something is going to involve conflict you're going to have problems you're going to work through things you know you think about a relationship like the purpose and the and then the meaning you can find in a relationship with a woman is is fantastic but also the conflict and problems that are going to come up are are going to be boundless and there's and it's a bit of a well i don't know how to deal with conflict and fuck purpose didn't work last time so let's Mm. continue down the road of not feeling much right? <laughs> yeah um and, and, and yeah it's 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 so hard to balance but i think it's it's a shame because it, yeah like there is goodness in at least i think there is goodness in, in church and, and a community like that can build build around a purpose mm. and, and and so i it's a shame that we were a part of a generation that really didn't get that right yeah i think mean, it's well said the it's so it is something that <clears throat> I miss too, is having that community <clears throat> and that regularness and this joint vision. Um, yeah, 
yeah, you're right. It is a very valuable thing. Mm. And, you know, I think we're always going to be... No one's ever got the social um, dynamic right for anything in any group completely. Um, yeah, exactly. So there's obviously growing. And I mean, I talked to Uncle Michael, who's our, he's our patriarch, mm. and was saying that it doesn't get easier, these sort of thoughts and stuff, these perspectives, these values, this balancing. Mm. Uh, it's always the same questions kind of exist. I guess I think what he was trying to get at me was that it just gets, you get a little bit more okay with the discomfort. So I think that kind of tells me mm. a little bit that as we get older, that confrontation, which is part and parcel discomfort, will get easier for us. Mm. Uh, so at least that's my hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me too. I hope so too. <laughs> oh, all right, man. Well, this is good. This is a good doctor. Mm. I appreciate it. I think it was... Um, yeah, it was insightful, reminiscent, and yeah. uh, and relevant all, all in one. So and confrontational, like, uh, confrontational as well. Confronting, yes, yes, as confronting, well. yes. Yeah, yeah. To, to our to what we what we went through, but what an interesting snapshot of of our of our young lives, placing ourselves in a in a documentary that felt all too relatable. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you liked it. Thanks for the chat. No worries, man. Um. I will speak to you more during the week.